hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Mr. Rob Valentine, hello. Hello. What a joy it is to be here with you tonight. Isn't it good? Isn't it good? And it's such a good story to be talking about. It's wonderful. Do you know, I'm going to hit you with a question straight away. Doctor Who mastermind, straight away. And it's from Fraser Gregory, who has done more than a few of these now. Uh, and he asks, where does Ian Reddington's clown sit in the pantheon of Doctor Who monsters villains? God, people love these um, questions where they're putting things in order, don't they? I know. Have there been any Doctor Who villains who just make lists? I suppose that's what Light does, actually, in Ghostlight. Yes. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Towards the well, I'll preface the question with saying to the hamster fans at home, if I come out with a Doctor Who opinion that uh, annoys or irritates you, don't worry, um, I'm not right, but also my opinion will have changed by tomorrow. So, mm. yeah, just relax and just don't take it seriously. Uh, okay, so the question was, where does he rank in the yeah. Pantheon? Um, he's bloody good. Um, he's yeah i i can't uh i can't praise ian reddington's performance enough um i think his his physicality is as good as that of shara's jack for example um but also just the levels and just the the angry terrified rat in a trap that is the the last bit of his humanity is under there so it's kind of like and that's why i kind of i wonder what he was like before the gods came because he is he's thrown himself i think he's thrown himself into being thoroughly murderously joyfully evil yeah. because that's just the one corner of his brain this craven coward can hide in and feel safe if i throw myself into this completely i'm kind of somehow free of the horror of all this but where does he where does he rate he's he his thing he's brilliant but the, the story and the script doesn't it's not a big enough part i think he does what with what he's got it's fantastic but it's a minor supporting role in a larger story so i think that in itself kind of does limit to how high in the pantheon he can go but if, if it's just like a, a literally a pantheon of villains like a museum where they're all behind glass that you could just wander through he is a beautiful example of one um yeah well you you compared him to um or you you know you gave him the title of like chief henchman so that's basically like the deputy chief caretaker in paradise towers and yet i think he's i, mean, I think that's a great performance in paradise House. this is a much more memorable character so given that he isn't the main villain in this i mean you could say it's captain cook you could say it's the god of ragnarok it makes it even more impressive what Ian Reddington does with the part to make it such a standout. It, it does, and, he, and he's really thought about it, because really, the, the chief clown is... He is a victim as much as all the others are, but he's a victim who's chosen to side with his... Um, Oh god, what's the antonym of victim? Anyway, from to, to decide with the person who's entrapped him in to 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 make himself safe as safe as possible from them. So, him being a loyal henchman is his refuge, 
it's kind of like a uh, in the in some of the early scenes there's like a nervous edginess to him so i'm wondering if back in the day he was quite a, a nervous shy sort um, yeah 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 exactly exactly what i find scary about him and it's in i think there's one of the most chilling scenes and it's in this episode we're about to watch it's bellboy's suicide i think it's scary because of the character chooses to commit suicide how it's executed but then it's the bit where he grins and it's almost like yeah do you know what i'm doing this and i like it and that's scary yeah but it's also sort of um psychological disassociation it's, it's like i've just one of my old colleagues and friends has just killed themselves because of the situation we're in this is awful and terrifying so i'm just going i'm going to retreat into this persona because all his friends are now robots he, i'm going to retreat into this clown persona this highly choreographed persona of gestures and smiles because so he, he has retreated into just a corner of his own brain. And that's what, the, to me, so if you, if you look at him as both villain and victim, it's even more terrifying. It's even more interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even in that last episode, you know, where he's going around and he's trying to round everybody up, there's a desperation. Even in that last scene where he's like, you know, you're not strong enough. He's really like... He's like, oh, I've got to do this, otherwise I'm going to have the same fate as the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he. His, his, um, his motivation is absolute fucking terror, you know, and that's that's why he has become what he's become. And occasionally that tension bursts out. There's, a, there's that little exchange when he first meets Ace as well. It just, you know, just that that, that he goes from that sing-song full falsetto to that, oh, that yeah. snarl. Was it? Where did you find that earring? To tell me where you found it. Yeah, that is that that moment is perfect it's it's such a great great performance so yeah he's he's really he's a beautiful beautiful character who in in the cast design of the piece doesn't have the greatest in the, in the hierarchy of it he's not up there but as characters go my god he's a good one well let's watch him in action then shall let's we watch him in action. Yeah. i think we've done that character more than justice there i'll tell you i think so i think so <laughs> uh this was my intro so your countdown off you go oh five four three two one Here we i tried go. to inject some suspense into that did it can you work? believe that britbox dares to put in the corner of the screen there skip intro i know, do you know that that's a trap it, it, it electrocutes you if you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you do doctor who oh, I, there's only one show you separates the wheat from the dead yes sorry carry on sacrilege but there is actually one show where i press the skip intro button and that's original star trek i just can't bear that theme tune oh it is a bit is a bit it is a bit wobbly isn't it what do you imagine they covered sylvester mccoy's face in silver paint at the beginning of the title sequence it's the 80s it's it's you know it looks cool and uh it gives him that kind of um marlon brando in the fortress of solitude superman kind of look it, it makes him look more, it makes it it gives it a ni nice iconic sheen i think that's kind of lacking from the the earlier ones i like the wink too mm. what well, one thing we haven't discussed it in a lot of depth is the direction um this is alan Waring's first isn't it is this ghost light and, and yes yeah 
And I think he was probably the find of the era. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's his hit rate is three for three. Yeah. These are brilliantly, brilliantly directed. Um, and two of them heavily location pieces, one of them totally studio bound. And he, yeah, he does such a magnificent job with each. They are, th they are three of the best of McCoys and they're all his. And I think I think when you get a director like Adam wearing like Graham Harper in the 80s, because some of the direction is very stilted or very old school. Uh, yes. Yeah. Kind of highlights it even more. Um, can I just point your attention to the clowns that are behind Captain Cook? Because there's one of them. Right. And I'll tell you what, he might be an extra in this thing, but he is doing some great work. He's always there just sort of to the side of and later on when uh mags is attacking the doctor he's there going ah oh! and uh when the doctor insults him he goes oh he's amazing. Yes, oh yes 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 he calls him an old uh a frightful bore whatever it is yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's such good direct it's um yeah it's greek clowns is greek chorus it's lovely it's so funny ah oh, here we go and i think all the scenes in this workshop are magic Yes, yeah, it's um, the, the the production design on this one, the old bus, um, even because you have the the half the giant robot sticking out of the sand, but that you but you have the little model of it to let you know what the rest of it underneath the sand looks like, and just little details like that really sell this. Uh, it looks big budget. Yeah, well, I think that's yeah. another. It's a, one of the benefits. It may be that some of the direction may be a little bit distressed because it it's on location but it adds authenticity yeah yeah and that's oh, what i think this is one of those ones where you know, non-fans could stumble across it and respect it i think do you know what i'm going to look at every single line now that these three in the audience are saying the family <laughs> I, you know it's a, there's no point going on dear we're all bored they are absolutely doctor who fans aren't they <laughs> yeah that's the thing is it I don't the whole my problem with them being the general audience is I don't the metaphor doesn't quite work but if they're fans it works I do have a problem later on though when the Ooh. doctor remind me at the time when the doctor's doing his magic stuff I do have a slight problem there but we'll get to it I want to keep my powder dry I really um I really like the intimacy of the scenes between Ace and Bellboy. And if you'll forgive me, because I've got to do this at least once on one of these things. Christopher Guard is the most fuckable man I can imagine being in Doctor Who. What a beautiful guy. Yeah, you know, I was getting disappointed at how yeah, clean I'm so you've sorry. been. I know how you've been too clean the last couple of episodes. He literally <laughs> got his chest out in episode one and said, Oh my word, he's so pretty. Oh no, he's 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 very beautiful and also he's his character is so weak, one or rather broken. Uh, no, broken. Dis no, no, disillusioned, disillusioned. He's a, he was he was a young, you know, idealistic hippie who who's ha who was happy. Um, that suicide scene again hits because he says to the chief clown that you were a wonderful clown once, funny, inventive, and now look at you. Yeah. Ah, oh, he's terrific. They both. That's the thing. Um, Bellboy and the chief clown have both surrendered but in different ways. But Bellboy, like, in the first episode, what's he doing? He's trying to... 
He's is he going it, to the it, bus? Yeah, it feels like he and Flower Child are taking. That's the time frame of this. Doesn't I don't I don't fully understand it. How long this has been going on? Because it seems like that Bellboy and Flower Child and their their brief relationship is lovely. Um, are finally they're going to do something about the situation? But how long has it been going on? How long has it been a problem? Because the doctors heard about it at some point, but but how many how many visitors have they been getting? You know, and were they all a part of this, and then that now they've just suddenly decided to defect? Have they been? Yeah, or, or have yeah, yeah. Have they? Has it been a long game they've been playing, and we're seeing the the failed last stages of it? It's difficult to tell. The the light there coming through the Venetian blinds. That's... Yeah, it doesn't. This compared to you know a lot of who from this era or from isn't it? Doesn't it look great? The the attention to lighting. Yeah, I, th I think they really got... Uh, well, it, it took a little while in the McCoy, but eventually they got it really right. I don't think there's a story in 26 that's terribly lit. I think some of it hugely atmospheric. Yes, yeah. Oh, Sophie Aldred is so good, do you know? So I believe Christopher Gard, who plays... What's his name? Kingpin? Oh, no, uh, Chris Jury. Chris Jury, was yeah. he considered to be the seventh doctor at some point? Uh, I think he he might there's no audition of him, there's no audition of him that exists, but I think he was considered, yes. Because he's most famous as um Eric Catchpole from Lovejoy. That's his Oh my gosh, I haven't seen that was a favourite of my mother's that was. I oh I, I love Lovejoy, yeah. yes, yeah. Him and him him, Ian McShane and Dudley Sutton, who never did Doctor Who, but should have done. I always find in episode three of this, I feel like one sets the scene beautifully, two, the plot. I always feel like um, three spinning its plates a little bit, and then four is just a relentless ride. Yeah. Um, then again, in three, what have you got? You, you know, it's. Uh, oh, the suicide scene. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it kind of worth it. But. Um, could this could this have worked as a? It's, it's a funny thing about this era is that a lot of four. You can play the game of would you know would the four certain four parters have been better as three? Would certain threes be better as fours? Yeah, and certain fours be better as fives. Even you know it's. Uh, Curse of Fenric could have ran to five, couldn't it? With the extra material they I had. I think so. Yeah, Curse of Fenric might. Yeah, I don't know whether cliffhangers would have fallen elegantly, but yeah. This sequence here. This was the scene where that grid above ian reddington's head came down smacked him on the head and broke some of his teeth and he had to be rushed to hospital and that, that outtake is on the dvd jeez yeah apparently he's in a lot of pain oh i love all this in a minute where captain cook <laughs> i'm gonna forego my what you know my chance in the ring to give you your starring role <laughs> he's terrible What's Captain Cook supposed to be all about? Do you know, I was about to ask you the very same question. Isn't there a one line where he, he, he talks about something about gaining the power of whoever's in charge? Oh, the power, what? yeah, the powers, whoever they be, he says, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think that's all it is. He's heard about this place at some point and has gone in search of it for the, a bit like um, an Indiana Jones villain which is sort of kind of what he is. But that sounds pretty much not unlike what Kingpin did. And lost his mind. And lost his mind. So I, I think, yeah, it's, it's difficult to, 
because most of the way through, you don't know what Captain Cook's motivation is. He's one of those characters, their motivation is only revealed late in the telling. But your point that he was like a parody of the Doctor is so true, because he's there talking about all these fancy planets that he's been to and things that he's done, but it's like a grotesque parody. Yeah, but also his relationship with um, Mags is controlling and manipulative and to a degree premeditated. And so is the Seventh Aces, you know, so... It's uh, it's just a little more masked, isn't it, in in how lovely their relationship is, you know, their dynamic is with the Seventh Doctor and Ace. Actually, is it a grotesque parody? I don't think he's that dissimilar to Colin Baker, you know, at his worst excesses. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That there's that too. It, that, that's the other thing. Is it is it is it a parody of the Seventh Doctor and Ace relationship, or is it a comment on the Sixth Doctor and Perry relationship? But then, again, but then again, it's it's such a broad, uh, it's, it's no, not broad. It's it's a wide it's a wide uh, uh, level. So there are a wide number of interpretations. I, I don't think there's necessarily one. I think it's just a loose mirror that you can then read stuff into and interpret different ways. But I think it's just a it's a doctor companion relationship. Um, I'm going to hit you with another question now. Oh, go for it, go for it. I'm never going to get through all of these, you know. Honestly, we've had a fair few responses here. Okay, this story taps right into McCoy's clownish side, but he gets the balance between light and dark spot on again. Which side of this, Doctor, do you prefer? The pratfaller of season 24 or the master manipulator of season 26? Now, I don't agree with this question, but this is for you. It, it is a loaded question because it does it does presuppose a marked difference, which I don't think it's as marked as all that. Um, but in the spirit of answering the question as it's as it's asked, I probably I prefer this season twenty six, season twenty six, um, Doctor. But then again, if, as soon as I try to explain why by saying because of his subtlety and um, nuance and sensitivity all those things are present in season 24 hey, as well that's and that, yeah so as soon as i elaborate on my answer i kind of the, the question does kind of collapse a bit in the no, it's it's really i kind of think it's some really shitty blocking and some poor choices in episode one of time and the rani kind that, of that's that i think that's where all of his pratfalling is and i think that's where that reputation came from it is it's like oh for god's sake stop just stop, you know. Um, so I, I think if you, if you if you literally take take, take get rid of episode one of Time and the Rani, get rid of episode one of Twin Dilemma, and suddenly uh, you know one's presuppositions and or just general vague memory of two different eras are widely different because a lot of a lot of McCoy's um, quiet melancholy. It's already there. It's already there. Um, in um, in Delta and the Bannerman, love's never been known for its rationality. That scene with Balage, I always go back to because he's so, like he's he's kind of considerate and harsh and dark in that scene as well. I find McCoy in twenty four is his reaction to the stories is really interesting. Take Time and Arani out of the picture, the stories are are all a bit over the top. And he brings it right down. In a lot of those stories, he's kind of the most serious thing in it. Yeah, I mean, in Paradise Towers, the rule book scene, oh, that, yeah. that, that is the same Doctor who's in season 26. Mm. 
And he does the same thing in the Happiness Patrol, which is garish and can be a bit over the top in places. And then he's there in that scene with the, you know, the two snipers. Yes. Yeah. Confrontation with Helena at the end of the story, you know? Yeah, and it's, and it's not as if there aren't bits of season 26 where, you know, some of the, the old, the, the, there are a few tiny little interesting, it's like odd choices he makes that kind oh, of, you know. definitely. You know. Rob, there shall be no battle here. <laughs> yeah, I, then again, I think that would have that would have been saved with a bit more echo on his voice and about sixty more knights fighting than there were. I think he, he I think he could have got away with that if the production had supported him. But, uh, but yeah, I kind, I kind of think he there is unlike other doctors who you know I mean the, there's more than one Peter Capaldi doctor. Uh, you know in fact in his I think third, three in well i think in his, in his first series there are about five i think and then but yeah then another two but i think mccoy's largely the same doctor all the way through i think it's just yeah it's just bits of uh the writing for the series at large i think develops but his characterization is fairly consistent yeah more more than i remember because i don't to be honest I don't watch these very often. You know, most of Classic Who resides in my memory. I've seen it. I've seen. I've seen all of them a few times. Some of them just once or twice, but for the most part, they reside in my memory rather than things I frequently return to, unless work requires I have a quick refresher. Which I, which I, yeah. most of my Doctor Who watching has been recently because I've had to to uh, to remind myself of. Uh, plot points and well i was going to ask you about that like when you're writing for a specific doctor like will you then go and watch just to get some of the the flavor of of the actor or the character sometimes yeah you, you do need a refresher because you know I, I catch them on uk gold back in the day um but i never i never bought them religiously um i just literally they, like i said they, they 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 reside in my memory for the most part but i will go back and have a, a look if 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 necessary um yeah. I'm going to ask you about the... Oh, Wizkid! I know. <laughs> well, actually, actually, this is perfect timing. Uh -huh. So I'm going to ask you about the off-screen deaths in this. Uh, and I'm going to ask to compare this death here, where he's gone out there all smiling, and now all we see is smoky ashes and his glasses shattered. And the scene in Attack of the Cybermen, where Lytton has his hands crushed, and there's blood all over the place. Now, What's the scary approach? Like shoving it all in your face or not seeing it at all and leaving it to your imagination? Well, not seeing it. Well, it's, it's obvious. It's not seeing it at all and leaving it to your imagination. Uh, dep no, no, de depending on the, the reaction and feeling and tone of the wider piece, I would, uh, I'd be really disappointed if at the end of The Godfather, the heads of the five families and uh, Mo Green and uh, Carlo are all killed off screen in tasteful ways where you don't see the grots going in and the you know the bullets going through the glasses and stuff so, so violence absolutely has its place it's it all depends on the needs of your production but when you've got the budget of Doctor Who and it's also the type of show Doctor Who is it's not a place for that kind of gore really um I mean there, there are always exceptions so I don't want to give a blanket answer like it is the answer but this is this is sci-fi family fantasy adventure so yeah i think it's it's so within the uh, the concept of this like it's so brilliantly done off screen like what i in my head something 
truly horrific is going on. Yeah, and also it's also you, you, you what you're left with is you have just the, the the glasses on the scorched floor, and before them that look of totally innocent hope on Wizkid's face, and that's the thing that's important to leave the audience with in that situation. So yeah. Oh my, Rob! Here we go. This is the scene. I I think this is perfectly directed. This scene. He actually he hits him around the head, doesn't he? Yes. When he's yeah. trying to remind him about who he was. Just everything about this scene, the performances, how the robots come alive, how we again go away from the death. We can see their hands going towards his neck, so we know that he's about to be strangled. Yeah, and, and also, this is kind of, you know, these are two people who've got a long relationship. Mm. And has, initially, look at the Chief Clown's face. He looks horrified, and then he smiles. There's your disassociation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the only place in his psyche. It's a, it's, a it's a mental retreat, is the way I kind of read his evil. And it's even worse, because he's got that painted smile on his face. Yes, it's yeah. It's horrible. Of course, thematically, it's all about how the, the 60s generation of, you know, idealistic hippies sold out by the 80s. And, uh, yeah. you know, and that's what, it, yeah. But the, the, the terrifying thing there, Joe, is um, the distance between the period in the 60s of the hippie movement. It was 20 years. That's when the new series started. Is that what you're going to say to me? Well, no, no. It's just, you know, our, at the century in which we are living, we are, we are now further from the year 2000 than this TV, TV series was from the era of the generation it's commenting on. Because th this, is, this, is, this is a show written and made by young people commenting on the boomers, basically. Rob, I've had people on this thing, okay, telling me, oh, well, what, you know, when the first series went out and they ain't talking about an unearthly child they're talking about rose yeah well because is, is it 17 years since uh the 10th doctor came into being give or take and you know i can remember like it was yesterday yeah but it's gonna be do you know what? it's gonna be 25 glorious years before you know it <laughs> <laughs> okay do you think we've had enough hints and whispers that uh mags is a uh, werewolf a were lady i think so, I think so. We had the moon, didn't we, that she walked under. Yeah. She... I, I don't know why she's a werewolf, though. And how that... Is it just... That is, that's just a, 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 an interesting feature. It doesn't fit in thematically with anything, does it? Is it it's just a spectacle? A, yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's just a thing. I don't, I've got no problem with it, but in, in a story that's kind of about so many different things, I, I'm just one, I, just, I do wonder where her being a werewolf fits in. It is or, fascinating that sorry, go on. Or, or, or is it just a, a is it another is it a comment on ace in some way? If, What's that? What the the the, the Max, yeah, Mag, Mags is is Mags's duality in any way a comment on aces? I don't know if they absolutely take that approach in survival, don't they? Yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just that if, if you are to take Mags and Captain Cook. Mags and the Captain as a parallel of Ace and the Doctor. What does Mags being a werewolf say about 
ace i don't know is there... i mean there's there's this sort of uh underlying character thread of the violence inside her isn't there yeah I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not i'm not saying there's anything there i'm just wondering should there be something there i, I don't know, know but i'll tell you what it's it's an unusual place for doctor who to be where you're reading this many layers into a story it just goes well, to show yeah they're there they're there and it's some and that's another thing about this this era they think they are the, the, they are caring about this show it's it doesn't feel like well we've got to make doctor who because we make doctor who let's make some content it's no there, there is this there, there is love in the dna of this so it's just yeah so no, i've i've uh so uh, yeah i used to love uh, reading fiction and now generally i like reading non-fiction so i've read a lot about the behind the scenes of doctor i don't know if you've ever read script doctor which is andrew cartmel's book i haven't i really should it. should consider it i really should but i haven't you are 100 right that he and, the, and you know what they were they were literally agonizing over these scripts they were pouring in as much detail and depth as they possibly could um, and he details that, uh, you know, the fights he had with the writers and the changes that they made as they went along. Oh, hang on. I've got to stop for a second. Oh, go, go for it. Go for it. Only because I do think this transformation is very well executed. It's, do you know, I have never, ever thought about it in production terms. And because it just works, I'm just in the story. It's you're absolutely right. It's so well done. It's it is obviously got to be done on a budget. So what it is 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 we keep cutting back to her, and every time we cut back to her, the transformation is. But it's it, but it's such clever blocking, and the performance sells it. Um, but it's it's in that it's considering it's um, they're they're filming this in an improvised space. They do a terrific yeah. job. And there's a lovely long shot where you can see the blue light coming in and she's kind of like clawing at it. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those, well, now we're at it, it is one of those scenes where I think the problem is in the script or it's in the blocking, or but it's one of those things where there's no obstacle to Mags killing the Doctor here. Like right now, yeah. Like right now. It's just the monster choosing to pose and posture rather than do the this and then I, I feel the needs he obviously he swings away but it's just one of those odd i, I don't know if that's blocking all the script or no i think you're right if she yeah. had that kind of nature she'd just go for it wouldn't she yeah yeah no. i think or is it is it it's one of those things you might not notice it as a problem on 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 paper but it's the kind of problem a director can ameliorate or fix through blocking but it is just one of those bits that yeah, I, it doesn't quite work. So you, you kind of wonder why she just doesn't go for it. And the, the thought, the bit at the end where she's just sort of standing there, you know, with her nails going at the camera, and you're like, well, then you really wouldn't, you know, you you wouldn't be enjoying the moment. You just go for it, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those little. It's, it's, I'm not sure if there's an, if there's a name for it, but it just in, in just in, in kind of character in object and obstacle terms, those are kind of. Uh, it, there, there is a problem there. There's, no, there's nothing stopping her from killing him. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure if Sylvester McCoy is at his best when he's gurning like that as well, if I'm honest. The thing is, though, I was thinking about this. Um, we all talk about McCoy's gurning and stuff, but we don't talk about... We forgive... We, Pertwee has a complete oh. and utter free pass, yes. seemingly. When that so, telephone yeah. wire goes round him in terror. Yeah, yeah. Now, is it now? Why, 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 why would we be like this, Joe? Why are we? Why are we like this, Joe? I think people are just 
is it is, well. is it the era they're made in? Is yeah, it they're, is they're it, more forgiving of the olden days? Yeah, is it is it a bit like the way you kind of give free passes to pre Jurassic Park CGI that you don't give to post Jurassic Park CGI? Is it that kind of by nineteen eighty eight? the semiotics of TV and performance had advanced. So stuff that flew in 1972 or whatever, just, just we know weren't acceptable. Is it, is it something like that rather than I the think material there's, itself? There's something to the fact that I think pre-1980, Doctor Who is considered at its height and people will look for all the strengths, whereas post-1980, people think it's going downhill and they'll look for all of its weaknesses. I think there's something in that as well. Yeah, it is interesting, actually, having, you know, being a, a, a Doctor Who fan for a considerable time. It's just the, the changes in received the, the widely received wisdom of what's good and bad Doctor Who. Yeah. Because uh, when, when we were growing up you know the received wisdom was Hinchcliffe era was the best ever and everything else was shite in many ways but you know that's that's that that's past that's past oh, i think uh, that's know. being challenged now by oh, it, has, it has been it's, yeah yeah it, with with with, th with through that phase i've heard a lot of yeah. people say you know uh Hinchcliffe episode fours often fall apart the treatment of sarah jane was appalling no female characters you know i've heard a lot of whilst you know they're still brilliant stories or a lot of brilliant stories there yeah and, and things and this era are now uh considered right up there with them and to be honest quite rightly i mean season 25 and season 26 are as good as anything else in doctor who it's as good as the show ever 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 got i would agree with yeah. that and do you know I, there's one thing that works brilliantly in that cliffhanger i mean a lot of it works really well but there's one thing that works especially well and i'm gonna quote it it's it's deep Go McKenna going the growling the snarling her reaction to the moon yeah he's just so good he sells that moment brilliantly oh wait 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 a, a thought is slowly forming in my aging noggin uh yeah the the captain bringing along mags is she is his act so that's yeah. that's his premeditation that uh, yeah, the doctor is going there for premeditated reasons and he needs and to do what needs to be done because he knows what to do to defeat them but he needs ace's help to do it which is why he's so keen to essentially um uh, gaslight her into going um The captain is manip manipulating his companion, and the seventh doctor is manipulating his. There we go. That's it. Found it. <coughs> it took us it, an episode. Yes. I think the problem is it's not apparent. It, we're seeing all these things occurring, but the explanation for them isn't happening till later. But yeah, I, I that's it. That that is why Mags is a werewolf. It's not about Ace's character. It's maybe it's about. Um, it's about the captain's use, or maybe it's the fact that yeah. Oh no! Wait! 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 Sorry. This is. I don't, I don't know what this That's is going to be. Like, listen, for, for the podcast listener, this could be. Oh, for fuck's sake, Valentine! No, 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 go it. But anyway, it's not Ace murders. Ace kill. Ace shoot shoots. Ace deads deaded people in this. People die because of Ace in this, and um, so Ace is a deadly force. 
Ace is willing to shoot people with robots, which is something the Doctor isn't willing to do, but the Doctor's brought her along, presumably, to do stuff like that. And that is how she is like Mags. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he makes a token objection about her, but then when he needs it, Silver Nemesis, blow up that vehicle. All the time, yeah. all the time, which is why, um, as, a, as someone who gets, is fortunate enough to, have, to, to get to write Doctor Who, um, there are kind of there are kind of editorial strictures about what the doctors what the doctor can and can't do morally, you know. Mm. And, and the gun thing's obviously a no no, but he does it all the fucking time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on telly. You know, Jesus, you know, it's um, so. I've heard people complain about Jodie Whittaker's doctor and the three genocides that she commits in at the end of the flux, yeah, or or you know, inadvertently causes. Well, I can think of hundreds of bloody times that's happened in classic series. Oh, the the, do the doctor's morality is all over the shop. Yeah, um, that's why you know the master has a, you know the master's morality is consistent, and I think you know then the master would actually point out, well, do you know what, you know where you are with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, you know what I'm yeah, like, right? You know? Yeah. Oh. But um, but the the doctor is all over the the doctor is a, an arch hypocrite. He's not an arch manipulator. He's an arch hypocrite. So. Um, yeah, Mags is um, the captain, Captain Cook's ace. And what's interesting in this period is he is a complete hypocrite, but for once they are leaning into a critique of that, which is what you get with uh, Ace in Curse of Fenric when she confronts him and says, "You're, you know, you're a manipulative bastard. You knew what was going on. You know what's happening." I think that's really interesting because I don't think previously yeah do you know what i would have liked if we'd got a season 27 mm. um and you know I, I don't know at the time i know it's retrospectively we know what was meant to happen to ace but um at the time you know things change you know in early production so maybe it wouldn't have gone that direction but it would have been wonderful if um if Ace had kind of reached a maturity and had become everything the Doctor had hoped she would become, but then she's at, she's actually in a position where she makes a higher, she's able to make a take a higher moral stance and make a high, more moral, more brave decision than the Doctor is capable of. Mm. That would, I think that would be you know because because that would have been the ultimate answer to the kind of the the, the slight conundrum at the center of their relationship which is yes he's he, he's clearly sees something in her and he's edging her in a certain direction for clearly you know high-minded yet quite underhand reasons but it doesn't mean she has to thank him for it and we never get to see that moment have you seen yeah have you seen the john borman film excalibur no oh it's a recap i don't okay I'll tell you, it's not really a spoiler, but anyway, very briefly, um, there's a scene in that where Merlin has been, he's found young Arthur, uh, son of Uther Pendragon, and he's, 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 Arthur's drawn the sword from the stone, and he's, he's, just, he's getting all the, the, the disparate knights of the realm uh, together. He's still battling a few other people who don't support him, but there's this one moment where Arthur has won, essentially, but, um, I won't spoil it. I won't, people haven't seen it, but Arthur makes an utterly courageous and potentially deadly moral decision that even Merlin wasn't 
expecting him to make. It's, it's an incredible scene that gives me chills every time. And I kind of think that Ace could have had, the Doctor and Ace could have had a comparable moment where Ace turns around and says, fine, I'm, I've become everything you hoped I would. But she's actually, but the story proves actually she's got a, a more heightened morality than he does because she won't use his tools. I think th that would have been a really cool thing. I, it, may, it probably would never have gone there, but it would have been like the ultimate comment on their relationship. I accept what you did and why you did it, Doctor, but it wasn't right. Any just because it, you know, it ended in a good place. Yeah. The means don't. The ends don't justify the means. That would have been cool. Ultimately, that would have been well. That would have been the ultimate critique of him as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, and then and then Gray could have fucking cancelled it. But, you know, <laughs> just, you know.